chapter 3 this morning, and we'll bring the message we feel like God's laid upon our hearts. I appreciate the good song service, the Sunday school air, and smells like you can almost smell the rose of Sharon around here this morning, and the lily of the valley as he uh, spreads his fragrance through the service, and, and we need to obey the Lord and thank the Lord for this privilege. Now, Second Peter chapter 3, begin reading in verse 1. I'll ask you to stand with me, if you will, while we read the scripture. Second Peter chapter 3, as we stand and read this morning, the Bible said this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. That's the promise back up in verse 4 that they were asking about when they said, Where is the promise of His coming? In verse 9, Peter said, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Not promises, but promise, as some men count slackness. But his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible said, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you may be found, you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Let's bow our heads, please, for a moment of prayer. And you pray and ask God to touch the service now and touch us. Our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' blessed name, we want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be here today. Lord, we bow upon our knees, and Lord, we recognize our inability, our insufficiency. Lord, we recognize that if anything takes place today, Lord, you're going to have to touch the service. And I pray for the liberty that only God the Holy Ghost can give and I pray, Lord, that you'll give us clarity of mind and of speech. And, and Lord, I pray that the boys and girls and, and even the little babies, Father, might be attentive, Lord, to the Word of God. And I pray that we'll show respect, Lord, to your Word. And, and Father, I pray if there's one here today lost, that God, that you'll deal with that sinner's heart. Help them to see their need of being saved. And, and Lord, stir the saints of God. And, and Lord, give us something that'll help us. And, and the Lord, that will give us strength for the days and the journey that's ahead. All that you do, we'll thank you and praise you for it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I want to use 2 Peter chapter 3 and the verse there in verse 4. Verse 3 said, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying in verse 4, Where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of His coming? And I'd like to let that be the text for this morning, and we'll use that thought on where is the promise of His coming. Now, for the last, I mean, ever since I've been saved, and, and even before then, I mean, for years now, I've heard faithful men stand and, and proclaim from the Word of God that Jesus was going to come. And for 19 years, I had the privilege to hear my dad preach at as a little boy, I grew up under old time, fundamental, premillennial, second coming preacher, and the doctrine from the Word of God. I've been privileged to hear such men across this country 
as for the Bob Bolin that's gone on to be with the Lord, and other great men of God, we said under Dr. Sattler, and there's none greater as a prophecy preacher than him, and that we've heard and we've heard and we've heard, and yet sometimes the thought comes across our heart, well, where is the promise of His coming? And I'm so glad that that's the blessed hope of the church. And that's our only hope. There's no hope in this world. The Bible said evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And this world, it will continually wax worse and worse. But what a comfort that it is to the child of God that any hour, any second, any moment, the Holy Ghost might take the flag back to the glory land. And we that are saved and born again, we're going to ride out of here with the Lord in the clouds. But I want you to know something now. Peter said that in the last days they'd come scoffers and they'd be saying, where is the promise of His coming? Now we're in those last days. I mean, we're not going to go into them, but we're in the last days. The Apostle Paul made mention and reference to the last days. I hear Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, when he said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last days some shall depart from the faith. Now listen, you know, I'm not only talking about the cults and the infants, but there's a departure from the faith in the fundamental ranks. I mean, folk are leaving the old-fashioned, old-time, God-honoring Bible way, and they're seeking a new way. And Paul said these last days would come. And then in Second Peter 3 and verse 7, I mean Second Timothy 3, 7, he said, ever learning and never able to come to knowledge of truth. That's a sign of the last days. I mean, knowledge is being increased. And men are ever learning, but they're not able to comprehend the simple truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 3, But this, no, he said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But he said, after their own lust, they seek out teachers, heaven eats in ears. And oh, listen, we're in that day. I mean, folk don't want sound Bible doctrine. That's a sign of the last days that we're in. But then in 2 Peter 3, 3, he said, knowing this first, that thou shalt come in the last days. Scoffers, mockers, ridiculers. I mean, they say, where is the promise of his coming? I will tell you something. He's coming. I mean, He's coming. They can scoff and they can mock and ridicule and, and make fun of old-fashioned preaching, singing and shouting and the blessed hope, but He's coming one day. Mark it, God, He's coming. Somebody said, preacher, well, where is this promise? Oh, He's coming. That's what I want us to look at for the next little while. Preacher, where do we see this promise? Where is the promise of His return? I believe, number one, this morning we can see His promise and he's returned in a troubled world. In a troubled world. Folk, we're living in a time of perplexity and, and men's hearts are failing them for fear and, and confusion on every side. And, I mean, you don't have to look far and look long till you see that we're in a troubled world. Folk on every side. Politicians are troubled. I mean, folk on every... Preachers are troubled. All the way around, folk are troubled. And we're living in a troubled world. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1, This know also that in the last days, perilous times, dangerous times, uncertain times, troublesome times, he said, are going to come. And we're seated on every side. I mean, moving in from every angle. I mean, this world is a troubled world this morning. I will tell you something, we're in trouble morally. Oh, amen, morally. you never seen a condition morally like we're in right now. Oh, the drug crowd. I mean, drugs are flowing at the schools like water and the liquor crowd and the immoral crowd and the homosexuals and the lesbians. IPTL, 700 Club, Charismatics will try to tell you that we're in the midst of a revival. Any revival I ever heard of, 
I mean, it brought to a stop a lot of the sin and vice and immorality that was we're not in revival. We're in the last days. I'm talking about morally, divorce courts. I heard a staggering figure the other day. A staggering figure. I entered in the Knoxville Baptist Tabernacle bookstore. The lady said they'd come out the other day with a figure that now 52%, I mean over half of all marriages, wind up in the divorce court. Now morally, we're the next couple. I've been television. Brother J.B. and I was out there studying. Brother J.B. mentioned, mentioned something. I said, yes. I mean, the devil, he's using He can't get in your front door of your house. He'll try to come through the television screen. I mean, wicked, ungodly, lewd scenes. I went to look for that thing right there at some different department stores. And I walked into Sears at West Ham. And you go up there where they got all the televisions and all the radio equipment. And, and man, them televisions was all over there. I happened to look up and there's a soap opera going on. And, and there was a lady with her back to the camera and pulled off her, her blouse and, and didn't have a bra on. And, and all it saw was her back, the naked back, but the suggestion that it put in your mind. And she got in bed with another man. Ungodly, ungodly. Morally, we're in a mess. Not only morally, but spiritually, we're troubled. Spiritually, there's a dilemma like I've never seen across this country. Oh, listen. I mean, folk are compromising convictions. I never seen a day when more preachers that used to stand and preach the book are compromising and watering it down for a crowd. I know a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, 1975. A preacher that's preached here before, Brother Richard Dehart, he joined this certain church. Because this man of God had some standards and convictions. And he'd preach them and stand on them. But oh, there was a friend of mine the other night went there in revival. And he said the piano player, a male, had his shirt unbuttoned down the last button. I mean, a big afro, big humanity mustache, a necklace hanging around his neck. And the choir director had his hair all pushed out. And the preacher had the audacity to get up and say, well, let's let her hair down and go to meet. My God, look like they all had it down to begin with. I mean, they were compromising that and a watering down of God's Word. Spiritually, we're in a dilemma. I mean, listen. Lowering of standards, compromising convictions, majoring on the suppers and the scenes and the socials. That's all they want anymore, suppers and scenes and socials. They're made to know that and they're marrying on the Word of God and preaching and praying and witnessing and missionaries. We're in a dilemma. What's up? This world's trouble. It's a mess. I mean, we're in a troubled world morally, spiritually, and economically we're in a mess. Huh? God told Solomon over there, he said, Solomon... Now, if I send the pestilence, if I withhold the rain, if I send the locust, the reason he's going to do that was when Israel went away from God and went into apostasy. I'm going to tell you something economically. You mark her down. The judgment hand of a sovereign God is upon America. We're not going to go into judgment. We're already in judgment now. God's judging this country. You ever seen a day when more folk are laid off? Unemployment rates out of sight. I mean, listen, Social Security is a shaking and powdering like a gunk man. I mean, listen, you get to thinking about the prime lending rate, layoffs, bankruptcies, foreclosing of homes and businesses. Economically, we're troubled. But you know what all this tells me and shows me? It just says it's the promise of His coming. Where is the promise of His coming? I can see it in a troubled world. Ask me of what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Look over there very quickly, Matthew chapter 24. Hold your place there. And this troubled world can be seen. Now they asked Jesus, Matthew chapter 24, they asked him three questions. They said over there, they said, I want you to tell us. Uh, they said in verse 3, they said, tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world, or the end of the age. And they begin to ask these questions to the Savior. Now listen, I'm talking about a troubled world. Notice three things here that show us about this. In verse 4 and 5 of Matthew 24, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, 
and shall deceive many. There's the trouble and the darkness of deception, deception. Oh, listen, a troubled world. Reminds me of a man that's a drowning. You can throw him, bless God, a steel wedge, he'll grab it. You can throw him a hammer, he'll grab it. A drowning man, he'll try to grab anything. That's where the world is. I mean, they're reaching out trying to grab something. And the Celts, the Mormons, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Roman Catholics, they're handing them something. It's a deception. You know what this is? You've never seen a day when there's more cults than there is right now. I mean, on every side, the moon is. I mean, listen, all this crowd, I mean, it's, it's a flourishing. What does that tell us? Where is the promise? What is happening? They shall deceive and be deceived. Boy, it's a, the sign of the darkness of deception. Not only that, Matthew 24, verse 6 and 7. He said, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. They begin to say, you'd hear of wars and rumors of wars. He said, and see that you be not troubled, for all this faith must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be phantoms and pestilence and earthquakes and divers or in different and in many places. I mean, not only the darkness of deception, but the divers of disasters that are happening in our country. Somebody said, now wait a minute, there's always been earthquakes, there's always been famines, they've always been pestilence, I'll agree, but you've never seen them in the multiplicity that they are now. I mean, listen, you pick up the paper, you'll see an earthquake, a mudslide, a hurricane, a tornado, some kind of new disease. They thought they got syphilis and gonorrhea under control, and God plagued the world with this new herpes disease. I mean, listen, this is what He said, and it shows that he's soon coming. More earthquakes have been reported in the last 10, I guess, 10 or 15 years than has ever been recorded in the history of man. Famines, shortages, pestilence, earthquakes, and divers. But not only that, in verse 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Iniquity, sin, running rampant. And you see here the devastating destruction of iniquity. Iniquity is destroying our country. You know where America's crumbling from? With the, where she's crumbling from? The same place that Rome fell. Rome fell from within. I mean, they got to partying and drinking. And listen, going all that way, and that's the way America's going. And listen, iniquity is destroying our country. Iniquity is destroying our churches. And iniquity is destroying our homes on the other side. Troubled world. You ever seen a troubled world like this? They're selling volumes of medications. Selling all these different types of medicines to put you sleep. Folks harsh. Oh, disturbed. And they're troubled and perplexed. I see folk running around like chickens or heads cut off. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, a, I'm a looking for the coming. I'm just looking for him. I mean, he's sure to be here. Where is the promise of his coming? Well, one of them, you can see it in a troubled world. Not only that, secondly, you can see his promise, his return, in a true witness. Not only in a troubled world, but in a true witness. What are you talking about? You can mark it down what God's promised. It's going to come to pass. I mean, what God has promised. Not one of His promises will ever fail. Listen for just a second. I read in Psalms 89, 34. God said, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that cometh out of my mouth. God said, I'm not going to alter my word now. He said, you can bank on it. I mean, you can rest assured on it. Then Psalms 93, 5, he said, thy testimonies are very sure. I mean, you can anchor and stand and depend on the testimonies of God. He said, his son be born of a virgin. It took about 4,000 years, but he came on the scene. Amen, amen. I mean, he, he said he'd be here and he showed up right on time. In Daniel, 70 weeks there. I mean, those Jews had the timetable. They all know when he was going to be here. They couldn't figure it out, but he showed up on time. 
First Kings chapter 8 and verse 56, the Bible said, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto His people Israel according to all that He had promised. Now get this, there hath not failed one word of all His good promise. Hey, there's not one word failed that He's ever promised. He's not going to fail us. That is promise that is second coming. A true witness. A true witness. Oh, I'm going to tell you, you get to read back them promises in John 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Oh, he knew they'd come a troubled age. He knew those disciples' hearts were going to be troubled and perplexed. And all that was going to come upon them. And he knew that you and I that would read that verse in 1983 would know what trouble was all about. But he said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, if you believe in God, leave also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I'd go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will return again. Now, that's a true witness from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. True witness. The Bible said, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of an archangel on the trumpet. Hey, that's a true witness. Hebrews 10, 37, even to the Hebrew Christians. For yet a little while he that shall come will come and will not John writing to his little children. He said, my little children. And he began to write into him. And he said, why when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. A true witness. Just as true as Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved just as true as the verses about the second. Two angels testified to it, said, Why, you men again? Why stand you gazing at heaven? The same Jesus that you see going away. The same one that just ate with you and fellowship with you. The same Jesus that you see going away. So we come back in like manner as you see him go. True. He's come. Listen to me, sinner. You may have heard about this and thought about this, but you mark it down. He's coming. I'm going to tell you, this Bible was here before you got here, before I got here. And we're dead and gone. It's going to be here. The Bible said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. When this world it has obliterated it, and the sun has refused to shine, and the stars fall from the sockets, the word of God still stands. True witness. The preacher, what's he say about the second coming? Once you got your Bibles open now, won't you stay in Matthew 24? Won't you see certain characteristics of this true witness of his coming? How's he going to come, preacher? Now listen, Matthew 24 and 25 deals primarily with the tribulation. Does not deal with the rapture, but yet there is things that we can correlate and, and that we can typify to be like the rapture when he comes. That when he comes in the revelation back to the earth, the way he comes back, it'll be a lot like the way he comes in the rapture. What do you say? Look at Matthew 24, 27. The Bible said, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You ever been out on the night and thunder clouds are rolling in? All of a sudden, that lightning forks across the sky like God cracking up big old whip. And that means she shines from the east and the west and lights up the whole sky. That's the way he's going to come back in his revelation back to the earth. And I'm going to tell you something. That speaks of swiftness. I mean, that lightning, it's gone. That's going to be the way he comes back at the church, folks. I mean, he's coming back for the saved. And he's coming and he'll be gone. Won't be no time to repent. Won't be no time to get on your knees and call on God and say, have mercy upon me. It's over. Go. Well, that's what's to take place right now. Quicker than that, everybody needs to be able to say and be gone. And you'd be left behind staring at empty pews, staring at eyeglasses, and, and staring at men's apparel, ladies' apparel, and we'd be gone! Not only swiftly like the lightning, look at Matthew 24, 37. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
Calamity in the days and the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. On the day that Noah entered in the ark, and they knew not into the flood came and took them all away. When Jesus comes in His revelation back to this earth, He's coming as Noah's flood to bring judgment and to carry this world into judgment. But just as solemnly, as solemnly as the flood came in, that's the way He's going to come back to the church. Solemnly! I believe it's going to strike fear and terror. I don't know how you believe it. It's immaterial to me. I've done settled on it. I believe that folk that are lost and have heard the Word of God and they've been pricked in the heart of the Holy Ghost... When the rapture takes place, they've heard their sisters and their brothers, their their family members talk about the rapture. They're going to realize they would no life of going on when the rain began. They would no harassment and a carried on in life and a mocking when the rain began to fall. You wake up one morning and find your husband gone or your wife gone or your mom and daddy gone and try to call your aunt or your uncle and a niece or nephew and they're gone. Turn that one-eyed television on and it comes on and said, we don't have no explanation as of yet, but there's thousands, thousands that are missing. Solemnly, solemnly like buffalo. Swiftly like the lightning, solemnly like the flood in Matthew 24, 43. He said, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken. Oh, he's going to come also secretly. What a thief. Secretly like a thief. You hear me, a thief don't come when you're at home. Why, he watches your house. He catches you unaware. I mean, you may be going shopping or something like that. But then he comes when you're least expecting. You know what he comes for? He don't come for the marbles. He don't come for your imitation jewelry. He don't come for the synthetic man-made jewelry. But a real professional thief, he knows what he's looking for. The valuables, the jewels. Why, he may leave that imitation stuff never bothered. Man may synthetic. Let me tell you something. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for the church, He's coming back as a thief of the night. At an unexpected moment, He'll be here. And He's going to leave behind man-made Christians, synthetic church members, counterfeits. And He's coming back for the real church and carrying us out of here. Like a thief in the night. He'll be back. Somebody said, now wait a minute. He don't have to steal. The church belongs to him. I know that. But the thing is, he's coming back at an unexpected moment. Oh, can you imagine lost church members when they realize that that freedom they had when they sit in the church house and the man of God he puts on the rapture. Death and judgment. They'd feel uncertain. They'd feel insecure. When it's all said and done, they realize that they let their pride stand in the way. They let their position stand in the way. And they've been left. And swiftly, like the lightning. Solemnly like the flood. Secretly like the thief. But in Matthew 25, verse 6, this is dealing at the close of the tribulation period. I don't have time to go into all that this morning. Here's a, here's a type. Here's a picture. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Matthew 25, 10. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, they that were ready, went in. Went in to him into the supper. And the others were left outside. He's coming surely like the bride. Surely like the bridegroom. He ain't going to trust it to the best man, John the Baptist. While John said, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. Why, he said he must increase and I must decrease. He's not going to trust John the Baptist to get the bride. He's not going to trust Michael or Gabriel or any other seraphims or cherubims. But he's coming back his hell for his own bride. 
And just as sure as you left that day, that night, that morning with your bride and pulled up, He's coming back to get us and we're flying. Hit it up. Surely I come back. My wife always had to travel from Jacksonville to Knoxville. Wasn't about 45 miles. Trusted her dad and mom to get her down there who she come with. I kind of believe if it had been about 800, I'd have flew out there myself and all of that. Huh? Let me tell you something. She's not going to touch nobody. I see his promise. Where is the promise of his coming? I see him a true witness of the Word of God. She didn't anchor on that thing. The testimonies of the Lord are very sure. She didn't anchor on that thing. The testimonies of the Lord are very sure. Oh, David had tried them. He'd lived with them. He'd fed off of them. He'd slept on them. Let me tell you something. I just anchored. He's coming back to you. I'm confident. He's sure. He's not going to leave us here. He's coming back to get us. I'm so glad. He's going to come back to get us. Oh, God. Then number three, where is the promise of His coming? I can see it. Not only in a troublesome world. Not only in a true witness. I can see the promise of His coming in a turning nation. In a turning nation. The nation of Israel. Sinner. Sinner. Now what I'm about to say, if you don't even believe the Word of God, pick you up a history book. You just get your history book and begin to read world history and you can see how you say. There's never been a nation like the nation of Israel. I mean, God had picked them. He chose, oh Abraham, how the earth the child is. He said, Abraham, I'm setting you apart, son. You're going to be thy father of the Hebrew nation. Set you apart. He selected them for his people. Let me tell you something. These things happening over there. On the left hand, the right hand, things are happening. They're, they, they're, they think they're about to strike all over there. Just right outside of Jerusalem. You know that spoil to come down the Russian bear, the old bear in Ezekiel 38 and 39, to come down and take a spoil and a prey? Knock off the SP, and you got all. I mean, what are you trying to read in? I ain't trying to read in nothing. I'm just telling you. I mean, one of these days, Russia's coming down. God's got the bait set up. These things are happening in that nation that's eternal. What I see here, I see they scattered, first of all. That Jewish people have been scattered like no other country has ever been scattered. Let me give you a couple of verses from the Old Testament. Listen, he's, the book of Leviticus 26 and verse 34. God said to Moses, I will scatter you among the heathen. I will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your city shall be waste. Oh, that happened to the nation of Israel. God said, Moses, if you turn back, if you, if you go away from me, I'm going to scatter you. Now listen, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28 and verse 64, God told Moses again, and the Lord will scatter thee among all the people from the one end of the earth even unto the other, and there shalt there shall thou serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among the people maintained their, uh, their national speech, the Hebrew tongue, having for two thousand years. And they scattered. All you have to do is read 70 A.D. Roman general by the name of Titus came into Jerusalem and leveled it. I mean, leveled it. I see in the condemnation as they've been scattered. There's something else. I see as they've been slaughtered. Oh, the devil hates the Jewish race. He hates that nation because it brought forth the Messiah. He hates the nation of Israel. He's made war with them of the baby. Oh, they just They tell me when 78, even though Titus come in there, that there wasn't a tree in all of Jerusalem that didn't have a dead Jew hanging from its branches. They tell me there was a certain road there outside of Jerusalem they called the Bloody Mile. And in that road there for one solid mile, they'd take the heads and the bodies of those Jews and they'd sever their heads from the bodies and the blood would go out and they'd take a horse and they'd pull them down the highway and for one solid mile, there's a load of literal blood. God said, listen, God said, I'll scatter you. Slaughtered. Oh, it's been estimated that Hitler 
It's been estimated that Hitler slew six million Jews. And the Pharisees of Germany, the Holocaust. Ackman and others have persecuted and hunted and hounded the Jewish people. But they survived. They survived, friends. They survived! You tell me how they survived if it wasn't for the hand of Almighty God. Even Hitler and all of his regime and, and all of his Nazi army couldn't put down the nation of Israel. Let me give you something. They were slaughtered, scattered, sheltered, but now they're settling back in. They're sailing back in the homeland. They're going back home. Listen, Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-one. That's Ezekiel thirty-seven. You got the valley of dry bones. Oh God, God said, "Oh son of man, begin to prophesy out of these bones." Man, I mean, they begin to come together, bone to bone, bone to bone. A great army stood up. And God said, Ezekiel, you prophesy to the wind and tell the wind to come and blow upon this. They're there today as a great army, and there's flesh, there's sinew upon them. Listen to me, there's flesh and sinew upon them. It's going to come alive one day when the Holy Ghost is going to breathe illumination across their darkened minds, and they see Him who they crucified. They're going to receive Him. Now listen to me for just a second. In 1838, get this now, there were 8,000 Jews in Jerusalem. 1872, approximately 40 years later, there was 21,000 Jews in Jerusalem. 1900, there was 50,000 Jews in Jerusalem. 1931, there was only 90,000 Jews in Jerusalem. But in the month of May, 1948, it jumped from 1931 to 48, from 90,000 to 850. I mean, more than all of them down through them years. I just all of a sudden had an urge down that old heart to go backstepping to Jerusalem. I was talking to a preacher and he told me several years ago he was watching a television newscast up in New York City and there was Jews and businessmen that were leaving their businesses. I mean, just selling them out and going back to Jerusalem. There was a, a newscaster interviewing this Jewish businessman. He said, sir, you got a flourish in business. And what are you closing that? He got big, they said he had big tears rolling down his cheeks. He said, I can't explain it, but there's a longing in my heart. There's a pulling in my heart. I want to go back to my homeland. I want to go back. God promised that He'd bring him back. And He's brought him back as a nation. And that tells me one thing. That He's soon getting ready to come. Where is the promise of His coming? I'll see it in a turning nation. It's a turning nation. Matthew 24, 32, now on the table of the fig tree, when its branches yet tender, and put it forth leaves, you know, that summer's now. So likewise, you, when you see all these things begin to come to pass, know that it is near even to the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation, that see if all these things come to pass, shall not pass I believe in the generation, I believe there was a generation alive in 1948 that saw Israel come back as a nation that'll be a living when the Lord comes to church. I believe this is the generation. Where is the conscience? Oh boy, turning nation, turning back to God. They're turning back now, but they're in unbelief. They tell me in 1967, during that six day war, who was it they fought? Syrians? They fought the Syrians in 1967. Outnumbered, about 10 to 1 or 8 to 1, something like that. I mean, listen, uh, far as military strategy is concerned, they are lost. They ought to be the blue range. But with the odds, 8 to 1, they beat them. Six days. It's got to be God. God. They tell me on that day that they turn the tide and turn them back. They said they went running to that Wayland wall and soldiers had tears running down their faces. They said, crying to that old Wayland wall. Now they've been in unbelief. What blesses my heart is to know that God spared not the natural branches, but He broke them off. He grafted us in. 
for the sin where we didn't belong. Let us be saved. But one of these days, He's going to illuminate their minds and He's going to put them back in there. There'll be a nation to be saved. Tells me that He's coming. Where's the promise? Then I will say something else. Where's the promise of His coming? I believe I see it also in a faultless society. A faultless, reckless society. Never seen folks so unconcerned. So uninterested, so unaware the society we're living in right now. I'm talking about sinners and I'm talking about saved folk. Hey, some of you ten years ago could have heard a message like this, and I'm not complaining because you're not shouting on my preaching. I'll shout on my own preaching and enjoy, and I have been. But hey, some of you ten years ago, you couldn't have kept the tears from flowing down your eyes on your pages of your Bible. How many of you are concerned about the coming of the Lord? We're in a faultless society. Saints are thoughtless. Sure we are. If we really believe the Lord is coming, I'm going to tell you what, it'd make a vast change in our lives. If you know He'd be here today, Jesus. I'd have been some words you used for you come to church you wouldn't have dared used. You know He's coming today. I'd have been some things you got laying around the house you wouldn't want to lay around if you know He's coming today. Well, preacher, I believe, I'll tell you, there's a lot of talk that is coming. There's not much real thought that is coming. A lot of folk want to sing about it. They want to talk about it. They just don't really think much about it because it won't show up in their life. Colossians 3 and verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, set your affections on things above and not on things of this world. For you're dead, your life is with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life shall appear, then shall you appear with Him in glory. Say why I know it's a thoughtless society concerning the saints. I didn't even know it a while ago. Somebody whispered in my ear and said, Super Bowl's tonight. I said, who's playing? They said, Miami and the Redskins. I said, I, I, I thought in my mind, I thought there'd be a lot of folk tonight. Be more concerned about the Super Bowl than they would about the second coming if he wants to come back tonight. You're right. You're right. Be a good night for him to come back, wouldn't you? I mean, a lot of folks sitting in front of that thing and cheering for their team. And how's the God neglected? Man of God trying to feed them and they ain't there. Faultless society. Faultless society. First John 2, 28. Now, little children abide in Him that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed of His spirit. There are a lot of folks, if He was to come back today, tonight, by the saints of God that have been saved, they're out of church. I mean, they're just neglecting the house of God. Oh, listen, how I many he died, he died to redeem us and then folk won't even live for it. Faultless society. Faultless society concerning the same, the faultless society concerning the sinners. Why the devil tells them eat drink, party be merry. Don't think about dying. I don't think about the judgment of God. I don't think about the awfulness of hell. You understand one day, sinner, you're going to stand before a holy God, a righteous God. He's going to judge you. Just live recklessly, haphazardly. Do you know where else I can see the promise that is coming? I'm going to close. I can see the promise that is coming. And Peter said they'll come the last day scoffers, saying, Where is the promise of this coming? If I didn't have none of those other signs, if I didn't have a troublesome world, if I didn't have a turning nation, if I didn't have a true witness, if I didn't have a thoughtless society, there's one that I've got. Where is the promise of this coming? It's in my tugging heart. My old tugging heart. I didn't have none of those others. There's a tugging in my heart. Now. Oh, I get to sometimes riding down the road by myself, nobody alone with me, and I get to praying and tell the Lord how much I love Him. He gets to tell me how much He loves me. And I tell Him how miserable I've been, how much I've him. Then there's a tug in that place. Almost like a tug of war. And I wish He'd win sometimes. You just take me on out of here. Oh, there's someone down inside me that loves, loves to escape and touch Tugging in my heart. There's a tugging in my heart takes place when I see the passing of the saints. When I see the passing of the saints. 
Sometimes I ride and I think about Dad. I think about my granddad. I think about some of the friends I buried. There's no trouble in my heart. Oh, my dad never saw me preach. He didn't know, didn't know in this walk of life I'd ever gotten right with God. Never had the Christian fellowship that I could have. There's a tug in my heart takes place. I mean, I get to think about my loved ones. Passion of the loved ones is a tug in takes place. And then I get to feel the pleading of the Spirit. I believe not only does the Lord want us to come, I believe the Holy Ghost wants to leave. I believe the bigger desire to be back in the bosom of God the Father and God the Son. And there they be together again. Please. For the Spirit. Oh, some of these services we get in, you know. Man, you get excited, you know, and get happy. Man, you just almost want to try to jump out of your own self. Like an eagle just to fly on out. Just be it all. Goodbye. Just please you, my soul. And then when the preaching of the Scriptures takes place, there's many of a time, man of God opens it up, lays it out. And then the pleading of the Scriptures and the preaching of the Scriptures makes me want to leave. Tugging my old heart. That old boy flying that kite had it one out of sight. Had a spring as a holy man. The guy said, hey boy, what you did is something like that. He said, I don't see a thing like that. He said, I don't see it. He said, it's up bound in clouds. He said, I can't see it. He said, how you look up there? He said, every now and then the wind will grab it and make a tug and I feel it. Well, I'm glad the Holy Ghost, like a mighty eagle, begins to flutter and come down and brood over us. Man, you can feel the tug of it from the glory world. And just here recently, just here in the last couple of weeks and days and months, I've been feeling a stronger tug. I've been feeling a stronger tug. Happy he's about to win. And I'm going to head out of here and go home. To be with you. And if you ain't got a tugging heart, if ain't something stirs within your soul, if ain't not a longer to leave this world, goodbye. Something bad wrong with you. Me and Brother Hubert and Bob J.B. went down. Where'd we go? Haiti. Down there, and they dressed differently. I couldn't talk her language. I didn't look like they looked. And I felt that I could outcast. I felt like an oddball. I felt I didn't fit in there. Didn't understand their customs. It's so much different than ours back here. That's the way it is for real Christian. They don't talk like I won't talk. They don't want to look like I won't look. Hey, they don't want to live. They don't have the same desires, the same longings. They don't want to dress. I feel like an outcast in my own country. Now, my own family members, I feel like a partner. They don't even want to talk about heaven. They won't talk about Jesus. Oh, one of these days, I'm going to get the call to come home. I'm going to my country. I'm going where my citizenship is. And there everybody will talk about Him. There everybody will look right. There Everything's going to be all right. That old songwriter said, But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then. I'll tell you something. What are we supposed to do, preacher? It's looking bad. It's getting dark. I mean, it's looking bad. It's getting dark. Right the darkest hours just before the dawn of light. Until then, I'll tell you what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to search the Scriptures and we're supposed to get some strength and find some assurance and get some answers in there. And until then, we're supposed to scan the skies and just watch and listen and labor till it gets there. There is a promise. That is good. I believe I can see it to you. I can see it. It's ready. It's almost like a carbuncle or a ball. It's been rising and festering and rising and festering. Like it's almost ready to blow up. Before she blows up, he's going to get us out. We're going home. I want to ask you something this morning. Sinner, if you're here and you're lost, you're not saved. Please listen. The Lord wants to come right now. Are you listening to me? Please look this way. The Lord wants to come right now. If you're not saved, you'll be left behind. Left! Left! No hope. Left! No chance. You do that to It's undergo the awful regime of the Antichrist to the 
And they, I believe today they should both in here. You know, you can be ready for the coming of the Lord as far as being saved and not be prepared for His coming. You can be ready and not be prepared. A lot of folk are ready to be saved, but they're not prepared. They're not ready. It's one sense of being prepared. I'm asking you, child of God, are you in the church? Are you living right? Are you looking for it? Is your affection set on things above? Are you trying to lay aside the seven ways and sins? You feel that tugging in your heart? You can't feel that tugging in your heart if you're not right. Honey, if you're not trying to live right, you can't feel that tug like you'd like for you to feel it. I wonder, how is it this morning? There's some folk here need to do business with God. Let's bow our heads. I'm through preaching. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Musicians come if they will. We're going to give an invitation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask you this morning, are you saved? Are you saved? Listen to me, sinner. When he comes back, he's coming back for the jewels, the saints of God. Sinners that's been saved by his grace. He's not coming back for church members. He's not coming back for Baptists or Methodists or Presbyterians. He's coming back to the church. Born again to I'm so afraid they spoke here this morning that you're lost. You're unsaved. If the rapture was to take place, you'd be left behind. And hell would be your home. The lake of fire would be your eternal abode because you're not saved. Please take time to consider where you're going to spend eternity. Please allow the Holy Ghost to knock at your heart's door. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day it may bring forth. I wonder, I wonder if there's somebody here this morning say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not saved. Would you slip your hand up and let us remember you in prayer? Would you just slip it up? Thank you, ma'am. Is there another say, Preacher, please pray for me. I'm not saved. Oh, preacher, I can see it. I, I can see that things or something's going to have to happen, preacher. I can see it. Please pray for me. I'm unsaved. Anyone else? Thank you. A little hand. Someone else pray for me, preacher. I'm not saved either. I'm not saved. Or my, whether you're here and you don't know whether you're saved or not. Say, pray for me, preacher. I need to get this thing settled. I know it's coming. Oh, sinner, please, please listen. Pray for me. Would you slip it up? Is there another one? Some little bitty hands being raised. Someone else. Pray for me, preacher. Pray for me. Oh, how about it? How about it, man? How about it, lady? How about it, dad? How about it, mom? He's coming. I'll ask one more question. Heads bowed and eyes closed and hearts turned toward him. I'll ask this question. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, preacher... I know I'm saved. I know I'm in. I, I know that. I've known what it is, preacher, for him to tug at my heart. 